A farm wagon bumped along through the Kansas prairie under a blazing August sun. Next to the wagon's driver sat a young woman in a long black dress. She had been up since 4 a.m. and after a hasty breakfast had taken her leave. Now, as her eyes looked in the great sweep of the prairie that spread out around her, she had plenty of time to gather her thoughts. It was a long way to the next town where folks would come to hear her speak. She was not a complainer. She had a job to do, and she did it with strength, conviction, and enormous goodwill. She was the minister of a Universalist church in Wymouth Landing, Massachusetts. She had struggled long and hard to become an ordained minister, and she loved her job. But in 1867, Two leaders in the fight for women's rights, Lucy Stone and her husband, Henry Blackwell, had persuaded her to go to Kansas to campaign for amendment to the Kansas Constitution, amendment that would give women the right to vote. She had already supported universal suffrage and was a powerful speaker on that subject, and her con congregation generously gave her a leave of absence for the Kansas campaign. For four months, she followed a schedule that most people would have considered impossible. Against all odds, she attracted large, receptive audience in towns throughout the state. Still, when it came time to vote, the man of Kansas defeated her amendment. Finally, in 1920, Congress passed the 19th Amendment granting the right for women to vote. On Election Day morning, November 2nd, 1920, Olympia Brown made her way to the polling station. She was one of the first to vote. It was 53 years since she had campaigned in Kansas and won the right to vote at last. What she had hoped for, worked for, and wanted as a possibility had become a reality. Can any of you think of a time in your life, something that you hoped and worked for as a possibility actually became a reality? This is the time of year when possibilities become realities. You can feel the days getting longer and the breezes warmer, and everywhere you see new beginnings as life emerges from the dirt. And this year it seems that all of us are anxiously excited for the possibilities of spring to arrive, finally, after a long, hard winter. The possibilities for us as a congregation and our future are endless. In a few short weeks, we will begin our annual campaign, Pledge Drive, which provides all of you with an opportunity to give. As members in the next few months, many of you will take advantage of the possibility which is being offered to put your name in to serve on the Ministerial Search Committee. Both events represent possibilities for many of you to become engaged with the ministry of this church. Imagine the possibilities in this congregation when love, idealism, passion, and energy of the people are unleashed. Imagine this congregation helping all its people 
to join, to organize, and to direct their shared passions. Imagine our entire movement when all this wonderful energy is unleashed. At times like these, it is important to remember the difference between hope and optimism. Optimism is an expectation of the future, but hope is a way of experiencing the present. Optimism assures us that the oasis we see in the distance is not a mirage, but hope simply inspires us to keep going. Optimism pr promises specific outcomes, but hope just says that striving is worthwhile. That whether good things will happen, creating opportunity is always a good thing. Optimism often lies, but hope never fails. Optimism argues with the predictions of cynicism and bitterness, and is often proved wrong, but hope rejects cynicism and bitterness as unhelpful, and is perennially proved right. Hope cares for the eggs without counting the chickens that might come from them. And hope plants as wisely as it can, knowing that the rains and the harvests are uncertain. Hope is right here and right now. Whatever may happen in the future, <clears throat> a better way to live. Hope is itself a challenging issue for Unitarian Universalists because historically, we have been an optimistic religion. We are a can-do people. We make plans, we project outcomes. And in good times, when plans succeed and goals are achieved, our way is clearly better. But in hard times, when the challenge is to endure rather than thrive, our advantages are less obvious. To the extent that we hang our hopes on specific future events, we may well be disappointed. The application is rejected. The cure fails, the contest is lost, the bill doesn't pass, the experiment proves nothing, and we can't miss. The investment does, in fact, it misses. And yet, history has a way of frustrating the pessimist as well, even when the position seems unassailable. Slavery ends, Jim Crow ends, Nazi is conquered, the Soviet Union falls. The onward and upward progress of humanity does not happen by clockwork, and yet it happens. Even the best of times, the daily headlines do not match steadily towards goodness. If you pick out a period of history that seems particularly glorious from our perspective, the Golden Age of Greece, the Renaissance, the founding of the American public, you almost always find the local commentary was pessimistic. In every area, the doomed dinosaurs are more eye-catching than the evolving mammals. And yet, I have hope. I keep striving. I keep trying to plant the good things to come. Which ones will sprout and grow? I have no idea. Will any? Maybe not but I choose to keep planting. It is a good way to live, and when I reflect upon those possibilities in my life that have turned into realities, I reflect upon the last conversation that I had with my father before he passed away. 
My dad had served his country well and had lost his leg and his arm in a war injury. And at the age of 17, as I sat with him at the hospital, knowing well that his body was shutting down, I looked at him and I had a life that I thought was full of infinite possibilities. And my father, in our last conversation, took the time to share with me some of his points for living one's life. I have taken from that last conversation and tried to follow and make them a part of my life. I have found great comfort in them, as well as great wisdom. Allow me to share a few of them with you this day. Number one, get the simple things right. My father taught me the importance of making my bed each day and keeping a clean room. His belief was simple. To be successful in endeavor, your attention to detail must be unwavering. So you start with little things, like making your bed, cleaning your room. And the lesson, if you can get the simple things right, you can't expect, if you can't get the simple <clears throat> things right, you can't expect to successfully tackle those daunting tasks. Number two, get others to work with you. When setting goals and pursuing success, you must sometimes lead and get others to work with you. You can't do it all alone. The minute you realize that you don't know everything and need help along the way, the better your life will be. Number three, don't make excuses. Successful people don't make excuses for failure or shortcomings. They acknowledge their strengths and weaknesses and seek feedback from trusted advisors. The longer you sit around making excuses, the further you will drift from the possibility of achieving your goals. Number four, don't underestimate others. Underestimating people, whether peers or competitors, is one of the worst things that you can do. People who go far in life measure others by qualities such as integrity, strength of heart. Empower those around you and you'll be surprised by the outcome. Number five, be willing to fail. I have thought a lot about these words over the years and I've come to know that if I didn't try, I would never have forgiven myself. And I decided I would rather try and fail than be the guy who says, I was thinking about trying that. You simply can't look at life through a lens of fear. If you take a calculated risk and fail, at the very least, you have a valuable learning experience. Get back up, dust off, and never ever be out of the fight. Number six, don't back down. You know, my father had a motto, which he freely shared with me. It was, I will never quit. I will persevere and thrive on adversity. If knocked down, I will get back up every time. I will draw on every remaining ounce of strength to protect myself and those around me. And number seven, have fun. 
Life is meant for us to enjoy, to have fun. Learn how to have fun. Learn how to laugh. These points and others have given me a guidepost for my life. At the age of 17, I listened and was grateful that he had written them down for me. But they didn't really mean what they do now as I have gotten older and look back. And I am thankful for a father and a son where we had the opportunity for him to give me some guideposts for my life. So what about each of you? What points do you follow in your life? How do you turn those possibilities into realities? Dr. McAdams, a professor of psychology at Northwestern University in his book, Handbook of Personality and Social Psychology, states, your mind is very powerful. Yet, if you're like most people, you probably spend very little time reflecting on the way that you think. After all, who thinks about thinking? End of quote. But the way you think about yourself turns into your reality. If you draw inaccurate conclusions about who you are and what you're capable of doing, you'll limit your potential. Your thoughts are a catalyst for a self-perpetuating cycle. What you think directly influences how you feel and how you behave. So if you think you're a failure, you'll feel like a failure. And then you'll act like a failure, which reinforces your belief that you must be a failure. And once you draw a conclusion about yourself, you're likely to do two things. Look for the evidence that reinforces your belief and discount anything that runs contrary to your belief. Someone who develops the belief that he's a failure, for example, will view each mistake as a proof that they're not good enough. When he or she does succeed at something, they'll chalk it up as luck. Now consider for a moment that it might not be your lack of talent or lack of skills that holds us back. But instead, it might be your beliefs that keep you from performing at your full potential. Creating a more positive outlook can lead to better outcomes. That's not to say positive thoughts have magical powers, but optimistic thoughts lead to productive behavior, which increases your chance of a great outcome. Look at the labels that you place on yourself. Maybe you've declared yourself as incompetent, or perhaps you've decided you're a bad leader. Remind yourself that you don't have to allow those beliefs to restrict your potential. Just because you think something doesn't make it true. Just because you think something doesn't make it true. The good news is that you can change how you think you can alter your perception and change your life. And here are two ways I challenge you to challenge your beliefs. Look for evidence to the contrary. Take note of any times when your beliefs weren't reinforced. 
Acknowledging exceptions to the rule will remind you that your belief isn't always true. Challenge your beliefs. Perform behavioral experience that test how true your beliefs really are. If you think you're not good enough, do something that helps you to feel worthy. If you've labeled yourself too wimpy to step outside of your comfort zone, force yourself to do something that feels a little uncomfortable. With practice, you can train your brain to think differently. When you give up those self-limiting beliefs, you'll be better equipped to reach your greatest potential. If we look throughout the world in every industry and in every cultural, there is one consistent trend among successful individuals, and that is the ability to persevere. It's the ability to stand up and take a step forward when everyone else sits down. But this is not always natural, it's a learned trait. This means that your persistent is most often a choice. It's a matter of believing in oneself and finding a way to reach the result when the first strategies have failed. There's a famous story about Thomas Edison trying 9,999 times to perfect the light bulb, and he couldn't do it. And someone said, are you going to have 10,000 failures? And he responded, I didn't fail. I just discovered another way not to invent the electric light bulb. <laughs> he chose how he perceived his previous experience and decided not to perceive them as failures. Time and time again, individuals are stopped along their journey of life because they failed once. Doesn't mean their failures define them or that their project will never work. It simply means, as Thomas Edison, they found one more way it didn't work. But that means they are one step closer to achieving their result. The story is told about a donkey, and once upon a time there was a donkey, and it was stupid, stubborn old donkey, and even the farmer who owned this donkey did not like him. And the farmer owned a large property, and one day he heard in the distance the loud, distinctive ee of the donkey. And he wondered what the stupid donkey had done now. So he looked all over his property until at last he found the animal at the bottom of an old abandoned well. Exasperated, the farmer rang his neighbors and asked them to each bring a shovel. It had enough of this stupid donkey, and so he had decided to bury it in the well. All his friends came over, and together they started to shovel dirt into the well. And at first, the donkey protested loudly, baying with all of his mind. But after ten minutes, he stopped. And the farmers kept shoveling. And after a while, someone decided to have a look into the well to see what had happened to the donkey. What he saw astonished them. Instead of being buried, the donkey would dodge the incoming dirt standing on the ever-increasing mound. And now the mission changed, and the farmers went from trying to bury the donkey to trying to save him, shoveling more and more dirt into the abandoned well 
until he jumped out of the top victorious. Upon the release, the farmers all dropped their shovels and applauded the old stubborn beast with a newfound admiration. There are times in our lives when it seems as though we are that donkey. Trapped and feeling as though life is trying to bury us. Don't go under, but continue to find a way to overcome your challenges one at a time until you too emerge victorious. I challenge each of you to take what you have heard this day and begin to turn your possibilities into realities. And if you need any proof that such a thing are possible, take just a moment. Look around you. Look at this beautiful building. Many, if not most of you, helped turn what was possible into a reality. May you all realize how unique you each are. And may you find great joy in each of your lives. May it be so.